Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Washington state may soon take responsibility for its role in restricting housing rights for Black, Indigenous, Jewish, and people of color before the Fair Housing Act of 1968. If passed, House Bill 1474 would provide loans to people and their descendants previously affected by Washington's restrictive housing laws. KUOW reporter Joshua McNichols is here to tell us about the bill. But first, let's get you caught up. Seattle's Transportation Department is presenting a review of Vision Zero to the City Council Wednesday morning. Vision Zero is the city's goal to end traffic deaths and serious injuries on city streets by 2030. SDOT began a review of the traffic safety program after, despite attempts to make improvements, serious injuries and deaths continue to rise. If you want to prep for Wednesday's presentation, the review of Vision Zero is already online. We dropped a link in the show notes. Seattle Public Utilities has a new plan to try to prevent illegal trash dumping in the city. The pilot will place motion-sensing cameras at city-owned locations with a high frequency of illegal dumping. The first camera was set up around the 7100 block of Detroit Avenue Southwest. If they detect motion, a speaker will blare a deterrent message, warning that shortly they will be photographed. And it's going to warm up just a bit this week as we tick over to 6 p.m. sunsets. The National Weather Service is calling for highs in the 40s all week with a chance at touching a balmy 50 by Thursday. The sun will be out here and there, so soak it up because we could still be getting a mix of rain and snow during the overnight hours. For decades, property deeds in Washington state contained whites-only covenants that said non-white and Jewish people could not own, rent, or occupy many properties. State-sanctioned housing segregation ended in 1968 with the passage of the Federal Fair Housing Act. But in practice, home ownership has remained inaccessible to many people of color in our state. A new bill before the legislature is looking to address this. House Bill 1474 just voted out of the House last week. If it passes, it would give down payment assistance loans to people once affected by restrictive covenants. Jasmine Scott is the executive director of Art Noir, a space that she opened last year and is in the process of buying from Lake Union Partners rather than renting. She told producer Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers why building generational wealth is so important to her. I was raised by a mother that really doesn't, she doesn't like to lease anything. That's something that she has really impressed upon um, her children. And what that has translated into is with this business that we've created with Art Noir, um, again, we came into this development and a priority for us was that we needed to own this space and not lease it because um, by owning it, we are also taking charge and owning our destiny in this community. Joshua McNichols reports on housing for KUOW. He sits through a lot of hearings for bills. He says the hearing for House Bill 1474 was a big moment. So I've been doing a lot of reporting on housing bills this legislative session. And so, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff happening. And yet I, I start listening to this hearing online and the housing chairman, uh, Strom Peterson, says this. I have been a part of many a public hearing in this fine body. I don't know if there's going to be one that is more impactful than this one, I will say, just to start things off. 
you know, my ears perk up. And then Representative Jamila Taylor from uh, Federal Way in Des Moines area introduces the bill and describes a little bit about what, what it's about. This bill addresses the decades, the decades of direct harms inflicted by our state on Washington residents. So Joshua, clearly legislators seem to understand the significance of what this bill is about. What does it actually do? So what this bill does is it charges a small fee on recording documents, 100 bucks, and then um, it, it starts piling up that money over many, many transactions, and it uses that money to help families, specifically BIPOC families, Black, Indigenous, people of color, but also um, Jewish families who were harmed in the past by racist covenants. There were these racist covenants that were applied to deeds that basically said, don't sell this home to anyone who's not white or of the Caucasian race. Now, now to qualify, you either have to have lived in Washington state since 1968, which is a long time ago, or you have to be descended from someone who was. And the key there is being able to demonstrate that the state was complicit in this original wrong so many years ago. And so that's why that's why such a limited group of people are being targeted for this, people who were harmed by this law that was in effect, you know, 1968 and earlier, and their descendants. It's because if the state is able to prove that it was complicit, then this new way of helping the most vulnerable by using race as some kind of a factor could be applied to many other kinds of programs. And, and it could be an example for other states, too. That sounds like a huge deal, Joshua, the state admitting to doing harm and paying for that harm. But given the cost, the incredible cost of housing in this market, it also really seems like a drop in the bucket in terms of cash on hand for people. Well, I mean, closing costs and down payments are a huge obstacle to people buying a home. I mean, they may have they may have a steady income, but they just don't have this big nest egg, you know, saved up. And studies have found that this really impacts, you know, black households especially, and that they, you know, this continues to prevent many, you know, black households and other households from these marginalized groups from owning a home. And so, you know, and, and today we know that it's it's harder for these groups to um, secure a loan. So, you know, even though some of this stuff was from the distant past, the, the impacts continue to this day. Professor James Gregory is a history professor at the University of Washington and has been working for years to document racist housing covenants in King County and now across Washington state with the Seattle Civil Rights and Labor History Project. It's rippled across generations. From 1970 to current day, King County median housing prices are 25 times as high. If you were locked out prior to 1968, it's been very hard for people to get into the housing market. It's like running a race and one group gets to start early and get way out ahead. And then suddenly things are supposed to be okay, uh, but everybody else is starting from way behind and, and it's impossible to catch up. You, t you asked about if it's a drop in the bucket or if it's if it's significant. You know, Washington State does have programs now that help people with down payments. And for the small number of people who benefit, which is, um, 
you know, I, I asked them today how many people benefited, and they say 544 people in fiscal year 2022. So it's not a huge number, but um, this would help presumably more than that. You know, um, if if it, if this was the only source of subsidy for families and, and it covered their whole down payment, and if they were buying, you know, townhomes in Seattle at the price of $650,000, for example, it would help 750-some uh, families. But in reality, this is going to be combined with other sources of subsidy. And and when you add all those things together, you know, this could actually help a lot of people. That's really important context, Joshua. How much money are we talking about? Uh, I think it's uh, the total is going to be $100 million a year after the first year. For the first year, it's a little bit less. Um, it, it should also be said, it's not going to start rolling out until 2024. And much of 2023 is going to be spent basically studying how to do this. Again, really important context, Joshua. Who is supporting this bill right now? It's Democrats who are supporting it. And Mm -hmm. there has been some opposition from Republicans. There was actually only one sort of challenge question that was raised in the hearing by Representative Joe Schmick of an area south of Spokane. And um, he basically asked about the fees. In the bill report currently, I believe there's a $13 affordable housing, a $62 local homeless housing, an $8 local homeless housing assistance surcharge, and then a $100 surcharge uh, that was enacted in 2021. This, what we're talking about tonight, is in addition to these that are currently there. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Chair. And then all the Republicans vote against it, except for one. Hmm. Okay. You know, Joshua, we learned in our research about this program that Evanston, Illinois, has tried a similar program. It gave black residents assistance with down payments or home repairs. Producer Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers talked with Washington Post reporter Emmanuel Felton about his reporting on Evanston. And apparently it was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of success. There were problems with the rollout. And some of the residents died before they could get the money. That's really upset people, right? So like when you promise reparations and, you know, you get these people who are at the end of their lives who have like, you know, seen a lot of stuff in America dying before getting it. It's just it's really it's really tough. And it's it puts people in a very tricky political situation. Joshua, you can certainly understand the complicated reaction to that program, but Even if the measure in Illinois didn't solve the bigger problem of the consequences of redlining and discrimination, Emmanuel Felton says it was still really meaningful to people who've experienced systemic racism. For the people who have gotten the grants, I think they feel made whole in some ways, right? Like, I think we can have broader debates about, like, is this closing the racial wealth gap? Like, is someone putting up new windows and doors or and fixing their roof or, you know, balling down and putting marble in their kitchen? Is that closing the race, the racial wealth gap? I think that's one question. But I do think it's important to remember that, like, this is an incredibly emotional thing and that there are people who feel who've gotten the money, who've, who've made the repairs to their homes, who feel like, you know, that they're a part of a, a wave of what's coming in America. This that, you know, we're finally making good all the promises that we we made to to communities of color across the country. Joshua, that's Evanston there, but back to Washington, you know, 
we're taking on a huge problem here in equity and wealth. Reasonably, what can we expect from this legislation? How much can we expect? You know, the existing programs helping people are 80 million. This is going to be 100 million. So that's more than doubling the amount of assistance for down payments that's out there now and specifically targeting this smaller group. So I I feel like it's a big deal. I was reading um, a report called the Black Wellbeing Report. It's put on by a group in Washington that's been studying, you know, economic well-being for black families. And in that report, they determined that 40% of the racial wealth gap was due to home equity issues. Even if we totally resolve the home equity disparity between different races, that's 40% of the problem. In some ways, it's kind of encouraging to see some people try to bite off a small piece of it. And Joshua, like we've talked about, the importance of documenting this information, the state's past and ongoing role in discrimination and the impacts it has had on home ownership is really important just to codify on paper somewhere so that we have it. The UW's Professor Gregory sees this bill as the unexpected fruits of his labor. It's really wonderful. As a historian, you do research and you provide information, you know, to the public or to fellow historians. And that's what you do. And it's very rare to see something in the world of policy uh, come directly out of that work. But I think this bill, 1474, is is doing that. I mean, this problem started with with documents, right? Document, you know, the, the crimes of the past are documented in our deeds. So, you know, they're fighting documents with a document fee that goes to erase the impacts of those documents. So fighting paper with paper. <laughs> Joshua, really appreciate chatting with you about this. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Jenny Cecil Moore, Claire McGrain, Brandy Fullwood, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. 